0: Hello and welcome on into Moving the Chain, episode ten. Can't believe we've done ten of these already. Really excited to be back with you guys for another week. I'm Emmett Malik joined by Andrew Bowen and Matt McHugh. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Got just off a really great nap, so I'm feeling good.
1: Lots of energy there. That's that's
0: the opposite of Matt and I. Yeah. We <laughs> wish we could have had a nap, but we're gonna power through for you guys. We have some good stuff to talk about. Uh, college football world has been really interesting the past few weeks lot of the bigger teams getting to face each other and we had a great game of our own here in Evanston. Northwestern winning a triple overtime when I'm hearing an instant classic at Ryan Field defeating Michigan State 39-31. Just an incredible game. We're going to start with that. Let's get down and break break this down a bit. I want to start big picture. Was this the most interesting, best game as a Northwestern fan in recent memory? I mean, since
2: I've been here, since all of us have been here, I think this is no-brainer the best Northwestern football game that we have seen. I think if you want to find most one in recent memory, you're going back to the year before we got here, which was 2014, uh, against Notre Dame, Northwestern pulling out an upset victory in South Bend. I remember watching that one on TV being like, no, that was pretty cool, but obviously didn't have the same sentimental value that this one had at Ryan Field, storming the field after a win. Northwestern also stormed the field after beating Wisconsin that year in 2014. That was not nearly as exciting as this one. It wasn't a three overtime games. So, your short answer is yes. Most exciting game in recent memory.
1: Absolutely, and I've been here a little bit less t- less time than both of you, but I was actually at the game. I was front row, and that was just a great football game. Period. That was, you know, any any football game that goes three overtimes, is a is a classic in my mind. And you know, coming into that game, the ex- expectation for Northwestern was, oh, this is probably a sandbag game we're probably not gonna you know probably not gonna come out just because mission state looked so improved from last year uh when we beat them in east lansing and northwestern came out and they were just kind of hanging around the entire game just hanging around they were countering every touchdown that michigan state and eventually they were able to force into overtime and you know get get the w in three overtimes in a much needed position for the wildcats right now that's three in a row for them and they're starting to get in a little bit of a role heading into the easier section of their conference
0: schedule this year. I think it was a tale of two different games. First, regulation, really defensive battle. and overtime, everyone was scoring. I really want to focus in on those three overtime periods. How was Northwestern able to out-execute the Spartans and ultimately get that huge stop? Yeah, you know, uh, you think
2: about uh, making plays in space, and I think that's the biggest thing that stood out to me was that Northwestern something they kind of struggled to do all game was just you know get the ball in the playmakers hands and have them go out and do something I think the best example of that was Flynn Nagel's catch and run down the sideline in overtime and Cam Green also looking pretty good and I think it's just those kind of players stepping up and making those plays at the big moments and maybe they were just kind of working towards that as the game went on but I think you hit the nail on the head, it was really two different games. It was, they grinded out classic slow Big Ten game for four quarters, and then seemed like we were watching Big 12 football when it was just constant scoring So we got to overtime.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. And heading into this season, for Northwestern, one of the biggest questions, especially on offense, was how are you going to be able to replace Austin Carr? He was a Boletnikov finalist last year. I would say one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. And Northwestern has seemed to develop a wide receiver by committee type deal where they have seven wide receivers with double digits catches double digit receptions and over a 100 yards receiving each and I have to say one player that has really stood out is Cameron Green he caught a touchdown on Saturday he's a sophomore tight end and I think he's honestly one of Northwestern's best athletes period I mean he just he can honestly take over a game when he wants to and he was really impressive on Saturday um, in terms of spacing Justin Jackson we know what he's going to do he's Justin Jackson he only had 41 yards uh, on saturday but still he was made such an impact on the game even throwing for a touchdown he currently has a passer rating of 530.8 i didn't know it it went that high he yeah he's one for one with 12 yards and a touchdown so
0: you know he can do it all he doesn't just carry the ball (laughs) i think other question for this one is Clayton thorson looked really good uh This is kind of what we come to expect can we see more of this going forward has he turned the corner kind of like he did last year in the second half
2: yeah he obviously still made some mistakes and that's going to happen but i still think absolutely he can be also look at the schedule that northwestern has some of the defenses they're going to be going up against they've gotten the tough ones out of the way already then if there's a time for clayton thorson to come through and really put it together it's going to be against the illinois and purdue's of the world so yeah, I think there's a pretty reasonable chance we see something similar to last year where he really picks it up in the second half and finishes the year as maybe the third or fourth best Big Ten quarterback.
1: Yeah, he's currently fourth in the Big Ten in passing yards, and he you know, added to that with 356 against Michigan State. Uh, Nebraska coming up is actually a really weak pass defense. They're, I think, the second or third worst in the Big Ten. Um, so that game could become a shootout. And Clayton Thorson could be just slinging it all over the field on Saturday, but yeah, he absolutely looks improved from last season. He, I think, he's <coughs> making a little bit better of decisions. His accuracy, accuracy is still a bit of an issue for him, but he's looking like a more pure quarterback now, a little bit better mechanically. And it's you know really, it's really great to see Northwestern with a finally a, a relatively two-dimensional offense because for years it's been Justin Jackson carrying
0: you know having thirty carries a game and. No, no real passing game behind him. The other side of the ball for Northwestern, we didn't talk about them that much, but a really great performance, especially in regulation from those guys. Nate Hall had the game-winning uh, interception. Joe Gaziano was great. And then, of course, the story of the game, Patty Fisher, Defensive Player of the Week on Big Ten standards, national standards, had 17 tackles, just an incredible performance. You know, what was, what was working so well for him?
2: Oh, man, Patty Fisher was doing everything. We saw this, I think, a couple weeks ago is when we, I really started to notice it was in that first half against Penn State when Northwestern's <coughs> defense shut down Saquon Barkley. He was such a big part of that. He was reading everything so well, hitting the gaps, making smart plays, and man, he looks like he's going to be something really special to anchor that Northwestern defense for the next couple of years.
1: Absolutely. One of the biggest questions coming into the year was, you know, how's Northwestern going to be able to replace Anthony Walker Jr.? And I, I think we found our answer in Patty Fisher. Um, he fills holes, I think, better than Anthony Walker personally. He can really plug up gaps. And as a middle linebacker, that is your number one job, especially in the run game. Um, you know, he's a big physical linebacker, which is which fits right in with what Pat Fitzgerald wants and I gotta say, he's you know really kind of revamped their front seven because that was a big question for them. And with him and Tyler Lancaster up front, it really looks as though we have a legitimate front seven. Now all we need is just the secondary to be able to hold up on the back end.
0: Yeah, the safeties certainly talented in Kyle Caro and Godwin Igwebuke. You know the quarterbacks obviously hurt with injury before the season. Montre Hardinge has been okay, not great. He did get burned a bit by Michigan State. And the other quarterback spot has really been a revolving door this season, waiting for someone to step up by the year's end. But the good news is, you guys have alluded to, looks like they're going to have some favorable teams to do it against. Why do you ask you guys here as we wrap up before next week, can Northwestern run the table? You look at the rest of their schedule, they're favored in probably every game left. How realistic is it? Yeah, I think the,
2: only, the biggest red flag to me that stands up is this week's game upcoming against Nebraska where it's a pretty tough environment to play Nebraska not a great team but they're not quite as bad as like Illinois when Northwestern plays them in a few weeks um that's the one that's standing in the way for me the most i still think northwestern has a pretty good chance to come out with a win this saturday and that's the one that's giving me the most pause in saying they're going to run the table
1: yeah i actually think of the four games that northwestern has left Nebraska has the biggest chance to be yeah. a trap game. I mean, they came into Evanston last year. I don't know if you guys were at that game. It looked like a Nebraska home game. So their fans are great. It is, yeah. It's and home and away in college matters a lot more than in the pros. And you know, playing in yeah, Nebraska last year, they had Tommy Armstrong. That's
2: true, and that's Absolutely. what really
1: did Northwestern did. Absolutely, Tanner Lee is very talented. I mean, he's he's thrown for a lot of yards. He connected with. Uh, oh, who did he connect with? He he threw a. Game-winning reception to Stanley Morgan Jr. That's who it is. I'm sorry. Uh, but, yeah, he... I don't think he's Tommy Armstrong necessarily, but I think Nebraska has the biggest chance for Northwestern to be a trap game. If they can beat Nebraska, I, I see no reason why they don't run the table and roll through Purdue, Minnesota, and Illinois.
2: I completely agree with that. I think if you look at those last three games, those are some teams that Purdue looked okay to start out the year. They've really fallen back to earth their last couple games. Minnesota, first year under PJ Fleck, still a <coughs> lot of stuff to work out for them. And then Illinois has been essentially a disaster on all facets of the game. They had a pretty ugly loss to Rutgers earlier this year. They have a lot of things to work out there, too. So,
1: factor all those yeah. things in, I think it's Absolutely. a pretty good chance. The only one that concerns me, the second most, I guess, besides Nebraska, is Minnesota, just because they are they tend to be kind of a big physical team, and Northwestern doesn't do well with them. We've seen that with, like, Wisconsin. Um Northwestern can tend to get manhandled, especially in the trenches, but I don't see that really happening against Minnesota, especially with that game being at home. I think that does really play a factor in it. So I if Northwestern can beat Nebraska, they absolutely have a very good chance of running the table and getting a pretty decent bowl selection. They'll end up at, they would end up at nine and three in conference,
0: so or not in conference, excuse me. They would end up at seven and two in conference, nine and three overall. Looks like early prediction projections have them slated towards the citrus Bowl. Um, we'll see once we get closer uh, to that. Let's move on to the Nebraska preview, guys. Matt, I know you're on color uh, this weekend in Lincoln. <coughs> Great to have you on to share your early Nebraska expertise, maybe part of your prep involved on this podcast. What's Nebraska good at, guys? Um, kind of a bit of a slide for them recently, but, you know, not a team you can ever walk over. No, I think the, the biggest
2: thing to me, at least the biggest factor for Northwestern, is going to be the environment. I don't think it's going to be Nebraska on the field who's going to do them in in this game. I think it's going to be more about that environment, that really toxic road environment. It's supposed to be a little chilly, probably in the 40s, maybe, maybe 50s, and it's going to be one of those kind of, you know, <laughs> you walk in there, place is decked out in red, very loud. It can be a bit of an intimidating environment. Northwestern came out with a win, but just barely in Lincoln two years ago. Maybe something similar to that this week.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Northwe- Northwestern doesn't thrive in hostile environments. No. We've seen that before happen in Columbus last year. Not that that necessarily is a big rivalry with the Buckeyes, but absolutely, you're completely right, Matt. That or, Yes, you're completely <laughs> right. Nor- Nebraska, it's been a very disappointing season by their standards. I mean, they're 4-4 four and four overall. They're tied for a second in the Big Ten West with us, and their running game has been absolutely atrocious this year. They're they had an early injury to Trey Bryant, and he is now out for the year. And they're 107th in the country in rushing yards. They're averaging only 121 per game. That is that is not good, Matt. No, no, it that is not. Is what, that is what a very good running back should be averaging, maybe a game. But beside the point, I would say that their offense is very one-dimensional. They're 30th in the nation in passing yards. So Tanner Lee is obviously doing something right. He's able to you know get the ball to his receivers. But... I would say that Nebraska, with that much of a one-dimensional offense, it's going to be a lot easier for Northwestern to kind of target and pinpoint those weaknesses for them. Um, Yeah, Nebraska this year, I I still am not fully confident that Northwestern is going to win this matchup, though. I mean, it is a little bit of a toss-up. ESPN has them at 59.5 chance for Northwestern and the line is only a only 1 point in favor of Northwestern. It so. seems that seems about right. I feel like
2: it should be about 60-40 Northwestern in terms of the ESPN FBI. Let's talk a little bit about Nebraska's quarterback Tanner Lee. It's his first year there, transfer from Tulane. He had a lot of hype surrounding him. I know a couple of Nebraska fans who were pretty excited that he was coming in to replace Tommy Armstrong and well, the first couple weeks really didn't treat Tanner Lee so well to his new team. He threw four picks against Oregon, threw three picks without a touchdown against Northern Illinois in a 21-17 loss. He had some serious struggles. He only completed half his passes against Rutgers uh, when they squeaked out a 27-17 win. But then the last couple weeks, he's looked a little bit different. 411 yards this last week at Purdue, threw for over 300 yards against Ohio State. Which Tanner Lee you think
1: is the real one? That's really hard to. It's really hard to tell because you know Ohio State, their front seven is so talented. They have just an uh, absurdly athletic front seven, but their secondary has been kind of questionable at times. And, you know, he's he's had a passer rating of a, over one hundred forty his past two games, and you know it's Ohio State and Purdue. That's a big drop off in competition. Yeah. I really don't know which one is the one. I I, you know, if you're a Nebraska fan, you obviously hope that he, you know he is the real deal, but. For me, it's just that the weapons around him aren't there, and a quarterback really is only as good as his weapons. We've seen that with Jared Goff in the NFL. When you put and, and Carson Wentz for that matter, when you put you know good receivers, good running backs around a quarterback, he really can thrive. He doesn't have good running backs right now, and his receivers are, eh, at best. They're not you know gonna they're not Something gonna burn special, you off the deep end. Yeah. Northwestern secondary is a little bit questionable, especially a cornerback, as mentioned. But it's possible that. Tanner Lee, you know, kind of shuts down against Northwestern. If you can, if we can get some pressure on him, especially off the edge, I think he could fold a little bit.
2: And remember, in that Ohio State performance, a lot of that, almost all of it, really came in garbage time. It was a <clears throat> massive blowout loss, fifty-six to fourteen. We were kind of throwing the ball at the end of that one, trying to at least muster up a little bit of offense. So take that for what it's worth. He has had his, his ups and downs of this season. I uh, did have a nice performance against Illinois, but. Was Illinois, so I mean, take that for what it is too. So he's also not a dual threat quarterback at all. No. Does not run the ball, um so that really should help Northwestern defensively. And it's a little bit easier to game plan for someone like that. We saw last week with Lewerke; he was willing to run it a little bit
0: more, and that
2: kind of threw Northwestern off of it.
0: it. Seems like Nebraska's defense isn't very good. Oh no! Uh, I'm sure you guys mentioned that a little bit, but Northwestern, I think, is going to have a field day. Um I think you guys mentioned it at the beginning here that Northwestern looks like their favorite on paper, but the conditions, maybe the circumstances, could be the reasons why Northwestern could trip over <coughs> themselves. I want to ask you guys predictions. Matt, I know you're on cars so I won't ask you, but Andrew, how do you see it going this weekend on Saturday in Lincoln? So I think it's going to be a cold, windy, kind of
1: just grind you out, punch you in the mouth football game. You know, pretty typical of the Big, big Ten of, as we've seen. I think Northwestern, so I would put the line in this game as Northwestern minus three, and I think they just beat that by that much. I don't think they're going to blow Nebraska out by any means, but I think Northwestern, just their talent is better than Nebraska's talent, and I also think their coaching is better than Nebraska's coaching, and that's most of what college football is. It's it's how do you manage the game and are your athletes better in general. That's generally what college (coughs) football is about. Now, I could very much see a world in which Nebraska wins, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout on either side. I think it's going to be one of those grind you out for 60 minutes and you know, win, you know know eke out a victory at the end type of game. But I think Northwestern wins by, I think they beat the line, but
0: not much right now. Should be a close game, probably. Uh, Northwestern definitely favored to win, but we'll see how it goes on Saturday. Make sure you tune in. Austin Miller, Matt McHugh on the call, Ben Krieger joining them on sidelines. Should be a good one. Uh, Let's move on to the rest of the Big Ten, guys. Uh, It was a pretty bland week outside of two games. One, the game we just talked about, Northwestern Michigan State, and then obviously Penn State, Ohio State. What a ridiculous game! Which none of us saw because we were all at the Michigan State Northwestern.
1: I game. was, <coughs> I was uh, on Game Cast on my phone during the whole game, and I was in the front row I was the idiot, just yelling out the Ohio State score that every five. Guy minutes. next to me was doing that too. <laughs> the little stream pulled off on his phone. So <laughs> it was worth it because that was, in theory, the bigger game for the Big Ten. Oh no, and what a game, game it was! And the national landscape too. I mean,
2: this absolutely. Really, we'll get into that a little bit more later, but that really shakes up everything in terms As, of. College football playoffs.
1: As as a uh, as a South Jersey native by heart, I uh, I have a certain displeasure with Penn State fans. And last year, Penn State had their knickers in a knot for not getting into the playoffs. They were the fifth spot. They thought that they deserved it because they beat Ohio (coughs) State at home. Ohio State and Penn State won the Big Ten championship, and their main argument was how can you not put a team who didn't win their conference championship in the big, in the college f- football playoff? And now this year, Penn State couldn't get the job done in Columbus. They lost by a point. You're worse than the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are going to go on to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten final, and they're going to go to the college football playoff, and Penn State is going to get left in the cold, and it's a great feeling as somebody <laughs> who knows Penn State students and – has lived with them in their entire life, so it's a little bit satisfying for me personally. I'd Absolutely. Say just, I just needed to say that. They're almost they're <laughs> almost
2: screwed themselves out of the playoff spot now. Mm-hmm. Like there's they need a lot
0: of things to go right. They do not control their own destiny even for the if playoffs they, anymore. They, even need if o- they win out they mm-hmm. only have an eighteen percent chance of making the playoff. Exactly. They need, so. they need Ohio
1: State <coughs> to either lose another game or lose to Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game and they just need to hope that the playoff committee doesn't like Wisconsin's strength of schedule. I wouldn't... It, but even even if, then.
2: Yeah. If, if Wisconsin's undefeated and they just win the Big Ten title, they're going to be in. Like, absolutely. Because then you have a marquee win against Ohio State. And you can
1: say that you are, you are therefore better... Because I think Ohio State beats Michigan this year, even though they're in Ann Arbor. They're in Ann Arbor. Yeah, they're, yeah. I, the, I think Ohio State beats Michigan in Ann Arbor. And Ohio State comes out as the best team in the East. If Wisconsin beats them, which I, I don't see happening because Wisconsin they're you know bit they're they're a big strong physical team but I I just don't think they're as deep as Ohio State and yeah. I don't think they have the quarterback play and coaching that Ohio State does. Absolutely. I I think whoever wins the Big 10 is going to get in the playoffs. <coughs> That's kind of how we we've, we've learned what we've learned from the college football playoff committee is if you're in the Big 10 you win the Big 10 you're probably in. Right. There's there's normally a Big 10 team in the playoffs so but there won't be two this year. No, I don't
2: think there will be two. A couple they need a, some other people to lose some pretty questionable games at some different points this year for two Big 10 teams to make it. But yeah, I think this win it really puts the ball in Ohio State's court. If, if they can win out their schedule, which is doable, then yeah, they are they're in the playoffs and that's something we were not going to say a week ago. So, a monumental win and the fashion that they did it, too. Mm-hmm. Outscoring Penn
1: State 19 to three in the fourth quarter, shutting them down in the second half. Saquon Bar- Barkley left rushed for minus three yards. I yeah. mean, I think like, he's gonna win the Heisman in my in my mind. But he, the thing that scares me about him as like a Heisman, you know, if there's to be an upset, is that he can get shut down very like randomly, like, like here, us, yeah, yeah, against Northwestern in the first half against Ohio State in the second half, he can just be kind, become a non-factor in games when the other defense just plays up to the task. Um, but absolutely, i very excited to see the college football rankings, the first 25, come out tonight.
2: Yeah, well, I guess the timing of the podcast recording doesn't match up well with the timing of the college football <laughs> rankings release, but what, what can you do? We, uh, we'll do what we can. So we're going a bit blind now, right before the rankings are released, but... Um, it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. So we can get into that a little bit more later. Let's keep things on the Big Ten for now, though. Other notable matchups of the week that, that stood out to you, Bo? The only one that, that really stands out to me in terms of, uh, I guess, the stakes of the game is probably the game here, and then everyone else kind of took care of business.
1: Absolutely, yeah. This week, Ohio State-Penn State was the, was the marquee matchup, and this week... Uh, in Evanston was was probably the biggest upset in the Big 10. Other than that, like you said, business as usual in the Big 10, really no surprises. Um the one thing that I will say in the Big 10 is there's a big separation between the top 4 teams and the rest of the pack.
0: No there's
1: joke. a there's kind of a fledgling middle <laughs> ground where Northwestern's leading that right now, but there's absolutely a wide gap between the top, you know, the top teams in in the conference and everybody else and i don't think that's actually good for the big 10 long term i think deeper conferences generally produce either better playoff teams or better bowl teams
2: i think well it depends on what you define as good for the conference right like i mean if you look at the pac 12 now i guess that's technically a deeper conference because people keep winning all these teams that we had written off as bad teams like cal come through and then beat like a washington state and he's like all right well who's good who's not good and then all of that in the end probably going to result in a Pac-12 team missing the college football playoffs, which I would say is probably bad for the conference. But if you say it's good for the conference to have the competitive balance of having a lot of teams any week, you don't know who's going to win, I guess that could also be considered good. So uh, it really depends on how you define it. But I think from an entertainment perspective, you're right, that more uh, you want to have that unpredictability of any week, anybody could beat anybody. And I feel like we don't have that in the Big Ten like we do maybe in the Big 12 or the Pac 12.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Ohio State Penn State wasn't a shock, especially given that that game was in Columbus right. and it was a one-point game. So it wasn't a, you know, wow, Ohio State beat Penn State type of game. Um, yeah, the Big 10 just in general kind of lacks that upset factor a lot of the times. It's, you know, you know Wisconsin is going to beat Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, all those. You know, you know Ohio State's going to take care of business against like Rutgers, Maryland, yeah. Michigan State. So you know, the fact that Northwestern was able to pull off that upset against Michigan State is actually, I think, good because one of the biggest complaints as a fan with the Big Ten is it's not fun to watch football. Big 12 is exciting. The Pac 12 is, you know, exciting. Big Ten, big 10 is kind of the, you know, accountant of the conference. Yeah, exactly. it, it just comes in. The slow, you know, boring. Punches you know. into the clock and punches out. Um, but yeah, absolutely. The, no big. Matchups in the Big Ten last week that I was a huge fan of, necessarily. Uh, I would say this week, Penn State, Michigan State is my my more, you know, that's a game I will definitely be watching. Wisconsin at Indiana, I don't think that's an upset alert. <coughs> you know? I just don't think Indiana is good enough to beat Wisconsin. They've lost a lot of close games, though. Like, you, look at, you look at 0 and 5 in Big
2: Ten, you can't, yeah, I mean, some of them were just like one play away from going the other way, like multiple games. They could very easily have just been a little bit of luck goes their way, and you're looking at two and three Big Tens. Absolutely.
1: Five. Minnesota and Michigan, I don't see Michigan losing that one. If they do, no, then don't the, either. If they <laughs> do, then the season's a write-off for them unless they beat Ohio State. But, yeah, in general, Illinois, Purdue, I'm not even going to watch. Ohio State at Iowa, I mean, Iowa. That's a game add, I will watch.
2: They're not, yeah. That,
1: that is a game I will watch. Ohio State, they're 18-point favorites, but that seems like a lot of points for Going Iowa, into Iowa, I was one one loss at home to Penn State by two, yeah. and that was in a game where Th- Saquon Barkley needed over three hundred yards of total offense to beat them. I was went over uh, Iowa State, also looking a lot better now. As Iowa State keeps uh, surging up the rankings. So. Absolutely. So the Big Ten, I think, is n- probably the I would. Uh, Isn't the best conference? Isn't is the best conference? The com- the, SEC. The, the well, cool, the SEC it, is top heavy. The best Georgia? conference. Georgia. Top to bottom, no. I still don't think. I think Georgia's overrated personally. Uh, Who like, I I look at their schedule. Big Ten's pretty good. Ten's pretty I look good. at their schedule. Okay, they beat Notre Dame by one, at a time where Brian Kelly was kind of the program's still in flux. They beat Florida, who's turned out to be kind of a garbage fire. Okay, they blew out Mississippi State at home. <laughs> Is Mississippi State that good of a team? Nah, they're fine,
0: but like, they're. Exactly. I've been disappointed I think... in the ACC. The ACC has definitely well, Clemson considered over... FSU to be better, and Miami's not that I think Clemson will, will probably
1: still make. Clemson probably. will probably win out, win the ACC, and make the playoff. Miami hasn't played anybody. But they, they've,
2: they've done what they're supposed to do. They, they yeah. have,
1: yes, and you can't knock. If they finish undefeated, they're going to make the playoffs, right? Like, if they finish undefeated, yeah. well, they have to beat Clemson in the ACC final. They would have to. Absolutely. It's
2: possible. It's not I wouldn't say
1: it's Oh likely, no, 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 yeah. It's if, it if, is
2: there's a there's a road for Miami to get into the playoffs. There but yeah, you know, the ACC they got they, you know, like you got your Virginia Techs, your NC states, a couple other Absolutely. solid teams, so
1: I think Georgia I think they have a very tough schedule looking ahead. They have to play South Carolina, who you know, yes it's South Carolina, but they're six and two overall, they're four and two in conference. Then they play they're at Auburn which is a tough place to play in at Georgia Tech. I think those three are trap games for Georgia and they lose one game in regular season they're out of the playoffs. Yeah. They're they're out of the playoffs. I so they have to can't agree with that. The margin for error for the Bulldogs is very small. They have a true freshman at quarterback in Jake Fromm and you know, going into those tough environments like at Auburn, that is going to be a tough place for a freshman quarterback to win. So They do
2: have that Notre Dame win in their back pocket, which is pretty big. And mm-hmm. Especially when it comes down to playoff committee. It could very well be if they drop one of those games, Georgia or Notre Dame, for that last spot. People will look to that head-to-head as something that <coughs> could potentially stand out for them. Um, but yeah, I think Georgia's still got a decent amount of work to do. They look They're in good shape now, but November might be a little tough for them. I think yeah, I agree with that, that they're going to have to work for a couple of those wins.
1: I have to say, one of the games, this isn't this week, but next week, that I think will actually determine the college football playoff landscape for the year is Notre Dame-Miami. If I think oh, yeah. whoever wins that game probably is in the playoff. Um, because I, I think if Miami can beat Notre Dame, they can beat Clemson. Not that they will, they can't. They like, they have the ability to, but absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And then looking at the other games around the big wide world of college football this coming weekend, Clemson-NC State, also at 230, Iowa State, West Virginia, both of those should be some solid games. The 230 slate is pretty good. Stanford-Washington State as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Out of those games, let's just say those three. We got the ACC game, uh, the Big 12 game, Pac-12 game. Which one you got your eye circled on this week?
1: I would have to say the Clemson-NC State one. Mm Mm-hmm. Just because that has the most playoff implica- implications, Stanford, Washington State, neither of those are playoff teams, uh, even if they win out. I, I don't think anybody in the Pac-12 is going to even come close to the, the college football playoff, just because they all are going to have one loss, and they're in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, the reason Washington was in last year was because they went undefeated and won the conference. But if you have one loss in that conference, it just looks so bad to the committee. And then Iowa State, West Virginia. Iowa State has been one of the pleasant surprises of this year, and West Virginia has not. <laughs> West Virginia had very high hopes going into the year. They are now not even ranked.
2: Oof. Yeah, it's, it's it, been it's been a little rough. They're
1: five and three in the Big Twelve, which isn't a deep conference by any means. Um, they lo- they've lost to Virginia Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, all good teams, but. You look at their wins; they barely squeaked out a win at Baylor. Didn't look great against Texas Tech. They let up thirty-five points, and their strength of schedule just isn't there for them to be considered a good team, especially when you're five and three. Um, so that game, it's a good, you know, it's a great matchup, and I'm excited to see it. But the Clemson NC State game is the biggest game for me because I still think Clemson has a chance. People are writing; people wrote them off after the Syracuse loss. And if Clemson. that's their only loss, they're in, right? Like, Absolutely. Given how many other teams
2: have now lost games, <coughs> wow.
1: I think. I think if well, here's my thought: If Clemson gets in losing to Syracuse, why is Ohio State, you know, not like why would Ohio State not be in losing to Oklahoma, who's a very good program? Right?
2: right. If they're two, lo- if Ohio State's two losses, let's say are, well, if they have two losses, it's Wisconsin and Oklahoma. Maybe that would look dicey if they beat Wisconsin. I don't America.
1: think you can get into the college football playoff with two losses. I just don't. Um, but if they if they win the Big Ten, they're in. Yeah, they're absolutely in. And people say, well, they had, they lost to Oklahoma. Okay, it's Oklahoma. Right. But no, no. Baker Mayfield, yeah. who's one of the better quarterbacks, that loss will not keep them out. There yeah. be something else would have to keep
2: them absolutely. Out. So um, that's
1: definitely the game I'm looking at. I
2: agree with you in terms of the playoff stakes. I think Clemson's the uh, the most important game in terms of which one of those kind of early to mid-afternoon games is going to be maybe the closest or the most interesting to watch, I might say it's the Iowa State-West Virginia game because going into West Virginia, that's going to be a bit of a tough environment. They've been a little disappointing this year. Iowa State been surging. This is going to be a big test for them because now people are coming in, there's going to be a a, a little bit of a name on their back. People are going to know, like, hey, Iowa State's coming to town. They're getting a lot of hype, a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. Hey, you know. This is a pretty big game this week for them, and it's a chance for them to, to cement themselves, prove themselves, and you know, if a couple things go right for them. You're looking at them
1: in the top ten of the college football rankings in a week or two. Absolutely, I think uh, one of the of the earlier games, Penn State with Michigan State's gonna be a close one. You think it's um, gonna be close? They're both coming off of you know, relatively embarrassing upset, uh, technically upset losses for Penn State, and definitely an upset for Michigan State. I think that's gonna be. A, you know it's at it's in East Lansing and Penn State like we saw in Columbus kind of can fall apart on the road yeah so then they could it
2: but I just don't I don't see it at all I think Penn State is way way, <laughs> way 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 better than Michigan State the talent gap there is so big that I think Penn State wins this game I think I hope that they don't win it comfortably but I just have a gut feeling that that's kind of how that game is gonna go. Um, looking at some of the other games going on in the night shift of the games: Texas TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, LSU, Bama, Virginia Tech, Miami. Virginia Tech, Miami, I think is probably the biggest of those games. <clears throat> Miami, home underdog, <coughs> two and a half point home underdogs against Virginia Tech. You seem to not be very in on Miami, but
1: I just I, think they haven't played anybody. Yeah, can you, can you make them home? Can you make them home underdogs? I don't think that's you can. fair. I that think is you fair. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt. There. That is fair. I, I, and you know, I think you know, playing in that environment is very different for Virginia Tech. But if you look at Miami's schedule, here's here's who they played. They played seven games: Boston College, Toledo, Duke, Florida State, who has turned out to be a garbage pile this year, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and at UNC. None of those games have had really wide-open margins except for Toledo and Duke, okay? Virginia Tech is their first true test. So is Notre Dame. I just don't think they have played anybody yet. I don't know what their ceiling is. I'm not saying they can't beat Virginia Tech. I'm not saying that they aren't talented enough. I just don't know what their limit is (laughs) in terms of, like, capability because they just haven't played anybody who's really, like, good yeah. Syracuse is four and four. Yes, they beat Clemson, but that's that's another deal. UNC is where are they in the They're 0-6 in conference 1-8. They're garbage. And they won by five points against UNC. And Virginia Tech, if this if they do come out with a win
2: here, that would erase all of those concerns because Virginia Tech is a very good football team. Yeah. I mean, their only their only loss is Clemson. Their only win that was at least somewhat close was against West Virginia. So
1: absolutely, there you have it. That's They're a rivalry. Two great teams, and that's their only games that they had played somewhat close. So I, I think LSU Alabama is also <coughs> going to be really interesting. People Alabama, obviously they are what they are, but I think it's going to be a closer game than people have predicted. Uh, it's LSU at Alabama. That is one of the bigger rivalries in recent memory. Yeah, nah, people people are going
2: to get hype. You know, LSU is going to get up. Absolutely, they're not going to roll over. 21.5 point spread for Bama, mm-hmm. it seems a bit... much. It seems, like, again, we were talking about this before the pod, it seems like that's a spread that you give out when Alabama's playing, you know, one of those kind of middle-to-bottom SEC teams. I don't think LSU is one of the middle-to-bottom SEC no, teams. No, they are, um,
1: I would say, the third best in the like SEC. Like, I would
2: expect a 21-24 point spread for Bama over, like, Kentucky, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing them against LSU... 21 and a half. <coughs> yeah, I I don't know about that, but you think
1: Notre Dame makes the playoff?
2: I think Notre Dame makes the playoff because I think they do. they're just in such a good position for it. Now, I also completely agree with what you said earlier that the game not coming up this week but the week after Notre Dame Miami could very well mean
1: the difference. So, I think in the playoffs. my four right now long term is probably Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame and then I would just put Clemson in. So not Georgia. I think Georgia loses to Alabama. And that's what keeps them out? If, there, again, if they have one loss, again, no one who is, to Alabama. Okay, but also, I think Georgia loses before the end of the year. I think that's all, at Auburn versus South Carolina at Georgia Tech, those are trap games for, for the Bulldogs. And I just... They haven't played any impressive games to me, minus Notre Dame where they eked out a victory at you know on the road yeah they beat Notre Dame on the road but still I just don't see that they're not going to win the SEC I think Alabama is just too much for them in terms of just depth on the on their front seven anyway I don't know Wisconsin won't make it because Wisconsin unless they win the Big Ten but I just think right now it's Alabama Ohio State Notre Dame Clemson I think those are the four maybe Miami wins and sneaks in there but we'll see yeah, I'm going to go
2: – I'm going to say it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State. I'm going to take Georgia and Clemson
1: just because mm, – You have Notre Dame on the, on I the bubble. Can't,
2: I can't put Notre Dame in. I don't I don't know about Notre Dame still. I still think that they drop one of those games, they're
1: toast, right? Like, it's yeah. kind of the position they're in now. And I think if Georgia, win, if Georgia wins out, loses to Alabama, I could put them in. I could see that because they beat Notre Dame. And you could say, well, we lost everybody but Alabama.
2: Notre Dame still has to go to Miami and then to Stanford. That's true. That That's is true. two tough games of the season. Well, I think if they
1: if they win those and Georgia loses another one. Georgia oh, right, loses yeah. in the regular season, they're out. That's just not because they're going to lose to Alabama. The but you
2: think Notre Dame still has a chance
1: if they drop one of
2: those? Because I, 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 do no. I, I, I don't think they do if they drop. I don't think you can put... Out. Yeah.
1: I just don't think in general you can put a, a two-loss team in the play playoff unless they lose to like an Alabama and like an Oklahoma or like yeah and still win their conference like you you just you can't put a two-loss team because there's so many good one-loss teams or maybe undefeated teams that, that you just can't put it Well, how about how up. about
2: this scenario, okay? So Wisconsin, let's say they drop a regular season game. One of their very questionable regular season games remaining. They mm-hmm. drop one of those and then against Ohio State in the Big 10 championship Ohio State loses to Wisconsin. Their two Ooh, wow. are two losses: Oklahoma and Wisconsin. Do You say Ohio State. Sorry, you're not in. You can't put. Can you put Wisconsin in if they lose to like
1: Iowa? I don't.
2: I don't know if you can. That would, see, that that's, would really mess see, that's a up. See, really
1: that's really a conundrum. We're because we're going on the assumption
2: that Wisconsin is <coughs> going to win out their schedule. I don't which. know
1: if either of them get in in yeah. that case because Wisconsin, like, if you lose to like a you know a Minnesota type, I mean. But then, then again, like, you could say, like, Clemson, if they win, win the ACC and win out, you'd still put them in despite losing to Syracuse. That's basically the same as saying, like, Wisconsin loses to, like, a Purdue or, a you know, an Illinois or Minnesota, and they win the Big Ten. So it's basically the same thing with two different programs. Yeah. I think you'd have to put Wisconsin in then. Because they win the Big Ten championship. You can't, well, Cause yeah, and you beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship.
2: That's true. So you, you just kind of write off, kind of like Clemson. You'd write off that terrible loss against yeah. Iowa or someone. And
1: like. also also in the head-to-head, I don't know. I, 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 I'd see, last year, the, it's a similar situation where Ohio State had two losses and got in and then got blown out. I don't think the committee wants that. So I think they you would think go, the committee's a
2: little shook from that last year? That,
1: absolutely, because they got yeah. so much flack from Penn State They last really year did. That I don't know if it's possible. I don't know. That's a really interesting scenario. I think you would have to go Wisconsin-Clemson because they won yeah. the title, and they both have... Okay, they have a bad loss, but they both beat... Like, Wisconsin beat Ohio State in a game, in a head-to-head. So, I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting scenario to imagine.
2: Um, so, there you have it. Our playoff teams, <laughs> I guess, looking a little bit further, obviously, we're, we're coming up with all kinds of scenarios at this point, but... <coughs> um, we, we're pretty confident, uh, at least the two of us are, we both had Alabama, Ohio
0: State, and Clemson. So. It'll be fun to watch as it comes down to the stretch. Every week we'll have more and more information to help make those predictions. But now it's time for my favorite segment of the week, the ADT lock of the week. Lock your pick. Lock your house. Uh, last week, WR was 2-0 and again in their locks. We're getting into the right frame here. We're now 15-5-1 as a station. Uh, Dan Rosenzweig-Ziff had Penn State over Ohio State at plus 6. They might have lost, but they covered. I'm sure they're not too happy about that. And Sam had Arizona over Washington State at plus 3. Ended up beating uh, Wazoo, so good job there. Sam's bonus pick of Memphis worked out over Tulane. Dan's bonus pick of Minnesota straight up against Iowa. Did not work out, but that's okay. It was a bonus pick. Uh, You guys are here to make the listeners some more hypothetical money with your locks. What do you guys have for your lock of the week? So for me, I'm going to go take
1: a trip down to Tuscaloosa, and I'm going to go LSU beating the 21-and-a-half point spread against favorite Alabama. I just think that is way too big of a spread for a big rivalry game (coughs) in which you have an LSU team that people wrote off at the beginning of the year and now are back and ranked. I just don't see LSU dropping by over three touchdowns to Alabama. Alabama's a good team, but that is way, way too high in my mind for Alabama to just roll LSU like that. We were talking about that earlier,
2: and I do agree with you that that just seems like a spread you give. I would give. stay away from it. It's a spread you, give to, spread you give to, like, Kentucky against Alabama. It's not a spread you give to LSU against them. They're going to get up for that game. They're probably still going to lose, but if they lose by two touchdowns, you're good. So um, I, I feel okay about that one. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with the two teams that we saw here at Ryan Field this last month. Penn State <laughs> at Michigan State. Penn State, only seven and a half point favorites in this game. I think I mentioned this earlier too. The talent gap between those two teams is just so, so big. And I just don't see this game being very close at all. I think Penn State wins by multiple touchdowns makes it a, a very comfortable margin of victory for them. So that's my ADT lock
0: of week. You guys have any bonus picks? I have one. Uh I've been on this earth for over
1: 20 years now. And in my lifetime... This is like I, a funnel like
0: introduction. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. This <laughs> is, this is very, will Greer, very Will Greer-esque. Um, in my lifetime, the Tennessee Volunteers have been, what I can describe as, at best average over that hall, They are not a good football <laughs> program. They haven't been good, I'd say, since Peyton Manning was there. They're playing the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles this week. The Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles are 5-3 and three on the year. And... The spread for this game is Tennessee by six and a half. I think they're going to beat that. I do. Tennessee, they have lost their last four, and none of them have been really good games. They lost to Kentucky. They lost to Alabama by a lot. They lost to South Carolina, and they got blown out by Georgia at home. So I don't think Tennessee really can beat an FCS team like this. I don't think Tennessee has the coaching or the talent or the recruiting or anything to really beat this spread. Maybe they win, but it's gonna be a closer game than people think.
2: My I'm gonna go out west for my shocking that I'm gonna go out west <laughs> for my other pick, but I'm going to take the Cal Bears, my local team. Uh, they're playing Oregon State this week, and it's Cal minus seven at home for Cal. I mean, people might be valuing Oregon Oregon State's game last week where they had a close loss to Stanford, but Stanford also didn't have Bryce Love last week. Also, they're gonna go on the road. Oregon State 1-7, 0-5 oh in Pac-12 play this year. And it's only seven-point dogs for them? No, no, no. <coughs> Give me Cal. Give me Cal by a couple touchdowns against the Beefs.
0: Wow, it'll be fun this weekend. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Moving the Chains, you all. Big thanks to Matt McHugh and Andrew Bowen. Special thanks to Matt for carrying most of that podcast with Andrew without my guidance, a little <laughs> under the weather. But we're going to get done here on Moving the Chains. Uh, it's been a great broadcast episode, ten. Make sure you tune in next week. And again, make sure you tune in this weekend to Matt on color, Austin Miller on play-by-play on Saturday with Ben Krieger on the sidelines. Thanks a lot for listening to Move the Chains on WDR Sports.